One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Your typical summer weather forecast, I hear you crying, of course, while southern Europe is expected to set all kinds of records for high temperatures, really for all the wrong reasons uh, this year. More rain is expected here at home as we continue to experience unseasonable weather. And this is turning into one of the wettest Julys in recent years and according to uh, Met Aram that wet weather set to continue unsettled or changeable throughout the day the early days of this week the extended period of wet weather uh, comes after a weekend of course I saw a lot of flooding in some uh, countries, particularly around uh, Sligo, where that Forever Young uh, Festival, well, the Forever Young Festival was going on in, in Kildare, uh, but there was various events had to be cancelled over the weekend because there was so much wet weather. And tonight is going to see rain in most parts of the country, but it's going to be particularly heavy uh, here in the south in uh, Munster. So rain, rain and more rain, even though looking at what's going on across Europe, I don't know at this stage which I would actually uh, prefer. A very good Monday morning to you, by the way, as we welcome you along to another week of uh, Cork Today. John Paul is on his holidays for the next couple of weeks. So that means Bernie is sitting in taking your calls. Anything you want to share with you, uh, Bernie would love to hear from you. 0818 103 103 and the texts and WhatsApps are already up and running at 086 103. And I really want to start the programme by extending my deepest, deepest uh, sympathies to the Horgan family. I was so saddened to hear the news at the weekend that uh, Damien uh, Horgan had lost his uh, fight for life. We have spoken about uh, Damien. I, I, don't, I can't even remember how many times we've spoken about him since he was involved in a re- really serious motorbike accident in Vietnam in uh, April. And uh, he'd been living in uh, Vietnam for a number of years. He's actually working there as English language teacher there I think for the last uh, four years he sustained really serious injuries in that motorbike uh, crash and of course as we know he from thanks to family members chatting with us on air he had ended up in a, a critical care in a hospital in Ho Chi Minh now obviously medical care overseas was really really expensive so a GoFundMe account had been set up and well over um, 100,000 it went to 115,000 I'm sure I saw at the weekend had been raised to cover the cost of his uh, care but then uh, yesterday 
the family put up a uh, posting saying uh, it was actually put up by his niece uh, Leah uh, who said uh, on the on the post we are heartbroken to share the news that our beloved Damien has passed away he lost his uh, fight and what a fight he had put up the, she said the outpouring of love and support we have received has been just unbelievable old friends new friends and everyone in between has shown us so much love and support from every corner of the world she writes that Damien touched the lives of so many people. She said it was bittersweet to hear different stories of Damien over the past few weeks. He was witty, he was smart, but he was a gentle person. He will live on in us for the rest of uh, her days. And she wrote a line that I thought was really poignant. If love could have saved you, you would have lived uh, forever. And then she went on to use the opportunity to thank everybody who had helped in any way, people who had supported the family and obviously people who had donated so, so generally, generously to his GoFundMe account. And she ended with a rest easy, Dame, until we meet again. But it's true. If love could have saved uh, Damien uh, Horgan, he would have lived forever. He was, you could tell, and all of the family members that we had spoken with and they were updating us. And at one stage, it looked like he really had turned a corner. But um, in the last few days, it seems uh, he 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 took a turn for the worst and he actually ended up developing uh, sepsis and then sadly passed away. So just to say to all of the Horgan family in Donnerail and um, all over that we are thinking of each and every one of them and may, gentle, may Damien's gentle soul uh, rest in peace. He, he was one of those guys, you know, as I got to follow the GoFundMe uh, page and as I got to chat with family members, he was one of those guys who kind of think, God, I wish I'd known him. He seemed like a lovely, lovely uh, man. Oh, wait, one eight one oh three one oh three, And it's been such a sad weekend, you know, for so many families. Because if you open the papers today, you see headline like carnage on the roads and and I hate when I see the word carnage because behind that word are families who are really, really struggling to come to terms with the loss of their loved ones because of accidents on the roads and of course added to it yesterday was two competitors in the Sligo Stages rally who died during an accident. It was on the sixth stage of the rally and I couldn't believe and I'm hearing it even again this morning on the news the powers that be are asking people please do not share the footage of that crash on social media. Why anyone would even think about sharing that kind of tragedy. Can you imagine for the family to know that the accident that killed killed their members of their family was openly being shared on social media? People really need to cop on about sharing that type of video footage. And then Kieran Keating, he's the older brother of the boy, former boys on frontman Ronan Keating. He was the sole fatality following a crash in Sligo in, near Swinford in County Mayo. Kieran Keating uh, was in his 50s. He was travelling with his wife when they were in collision with a second car. It's understood the couple have been travelling to watch their son Rory and of course Rory Keating was playing for his club and that's one of our clubs. He was playing for uh, Cork City FC against Ligo Rangers and they were on their way to watch 
their son play when they were involved in a serious accident that uh, took Kieran Keating's uh, life. So, so sad. Sympathies to the uh, Keating family. And then on Saturday evening, there was a 19-year-old male passenger who was killed. That was a two-vehicle collision that happened in County Tipperary. The male driver of the car, along with the second male passenger, uh, both taken to University Hospital at Limerick. Passenger is still in a serious condition. And then go back to Friday afternoon, there was a male driver in his 60s who died several hours after being seriously injured. That was a single vehicle incident. His car struck a ditch in uh, County uh, Donegal. And of course, the weekend accidents continue. Unfortunately, what has been an alarming trend on Irish roads across this year, fatalities are up significantly on previous years up to the year year to date, like as of the 11th of July, 92 people had been killed on our roads and that's an increase of 13 people over the same period last year and this weekend's fatalities brings the number of people killed to date in July alone to uh, nine and we're only halfway uh, through the month. It's just those poor, poor families our thoughts and prayers with each and uh, every one of them and also let's um, let's not forget and uh, remember the Indian community who are... um, have in here in Cork have vowed to offer whatever support they can to the family of Deepa Dinamani. That's the mother of a one year, of a little boy. I think he's about five. She was fatally stabbed, of course, at her home in the city on Friday night. And of course, as we now know, this is before the courts. Her husband uh, was charged with her murder at a special sit- sitting of the Cork uh, Circuit Court uh, yesterday. And her little son is now being uh, looked after. Such a uh, tragedy. So we remember that young woman. Uh, Deepa and her tragic death uh, as well. Too much sadness too much sadness this weekend 0818103103 Bernie is taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103103 Close the programme last Friday we were talking about the latest in scam calls and we like to keep people up to date on any new scams or texts or emails that are doing the rounds and there seems to be a run on uh, scam calls at the moment I I mentioned uh, last week I hadn't been getting them for months and months and months and then lo and behold across last week I seem to be getting texts and scam calls every single day but that prompted a listener to contact us and we just didn't get around to it at the close of the programme to say Patricia I keep getting calls from mobile numbers saying hi I've just missed a call from you I'm getting about one every day now I have contacted Vodafone and they say my phone number has been hacked and I'll have to change my phone number I use this number for my own use but I also use it for my business and the thought of changing to a new uh, number I just don't even know where to start any suggestions okay what's happened to you is a thing called number uh, spoofing And that's where scammers change their caller ID to disguise their identity from the person they are calling and they just happen to be using your mobile phone number. Now, all I can say is, again, it happened to me a couple of years ago. I got, now, I didn't, I wasn't getting a call a day, but across, say, two weeks, I probably got about three, maybe four calls from people saying, hi, I'm just returning a missed call and say, no, I didn't call you. Then I was able to check my phone log and and, and it was funny. And, And there was one man in Kerry I ended up nearly having a row with he said you did call me and I said honest to God I work in radio I'm not able to use my phone when I'm on air I was actually on air at the moment I was meant to have called you and uh, so then I looked into it realised it was this um, number uh, spoofing now again what I was told to do was if I kept getting a lot of these calls a lot of people 
saying they're getting calls from me and it obviously wasn't coming from me. I would have had to change my number. But I waited it out and I didn't get any more calls and then it stopped and they'd obviously decided to pick somebody else's number uh, for the spoofing instead. I don't even know how they select the numbers for spoofing. Somebody said to me that it's possible they're just making up numbers just to make it appear on the caller ID and you can just be unlucky that the number that they make up is yours. I don't know if that's true uh, or not. But I know when I looked into it, uh, there was a case in the States of, of a poor woman. She was getting something like a thousand calls, returned calls a day from people uh, claiming that she had rang them and she hadn't. And obviously in that instance, you would have no choice. Uh, but to change your number. So my advice would be hang in there for another while and see what happens. But if you keep, if you get an increase in calls from people thinking that they've had missed calls from you, you can simply explain to them that it is a scam and that the call didn't come from you. It is a huge, huge annoyance, especially when it is attached to a business at number. Has it happened to anybody else? Anybody else got advice for our listener? Please get involved. 0818 103 103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Comment Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. Mental health groups say the findings of a report by the Health Research Board showing that many young people are experiencing high rates of stress, anxiety and depression was deeply troubling. Berg Rogan is policy and research manager of the Mental Health Reform Group and uh, Burr joins me. Good morning, Jabur. Hi, good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, eating disorders admissions to child in inpatient psychiatric units have more than doubled in the last five years. Would you have huge concerns around that? We, we would, Patricia. Um, I mean, any increase in, in any mental health difficulties of, of, of young people is extremely concerning. And I suppose when we look at inpatient units and at the point of a young person actually been admitted to a unit it means that they've already gotten to a point of needing that level of care and treatment so you know we would really be trying to put an emphasis on early intervention and prevention and the the investment in the voluntary and community sector and in the primary care you know psychology services and things like that before it gets to a point where where someone might need inpatient but we we have seen that um since the pandemic, that there have been increases, particularly in, in, in eating disorders. But when you look at the fact that it's up from 11% to 22%, it is very, very worrying. Could um, those numbers even be higher if there, if more units were available, Burr? Well, that's the thing that it, it, it's hard to know, really. And I was looking at the report again um, before this morning, and, you know, it, it's based off the numbers of, of inpatient um, beds and, you know, the registered psychiatric units and, and centres and something that is missing from the data and something that, that in mental health reform we've been calling for is capturing the data of, again, the earlier stage of who goes looking for help and support and services but doesn't get them at earlier points. Um, so it is hard to know what the, what the real need is. We know from other pieces of research like the Ombudsman for Children um, in May, just in May this year, released um, a survey of over 2,100 children called A Piece of My Mind. And the second highest kind of stressor or reason that those young people said that they felt depressed or anxious was linked to, to body image. So the first pressure was school, around school work and exams. And the second highest on that list was, was body image. Yeah, like why why do you believe more young people are experiencing these high rates of stress, anxiety and depression? Well, so I suppose we're looking at our our, our pre-budget submission for budget 2024 at the moment and I think 
we can all agree that, you know, we talk a lot about CAMS, the Children and Adult Mental Health Services, which are actually just supposed to be for the kind of the, the 2% of the population that might need that inpatient uh, significant levels of, of, of medical care. Um, but So when you think that that's 2%, you know, so the 98% need and want access to earlier services and support. So whether it's the voluntary community sector services like Jigsaw and Pieta and the Irish Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children, young uh, youth groups, you know, that if, if people are engaging in those kind of supports earlier and are creating those kind of emotional supports and those connections in the community, then you're more likely to, to talk. to it's, it's Help-seeking behaviour is the new kind of term that, that a lot of people are talking about. Um, but so we've asked for there was a national um, youth mental health task force that reported in 2017 and not all of those recommendations have been put in place yet. So, for example, there's a, a thing called the Youth Pathfinder project, which is a cross departmental um, project that because we're looking, you know, it's not just about health. You know, we know it's education. We know it's. Uh, social inclusion, we know it's housing, you know, we know it's all of those factors that can add up to a, a person's mental health being uh, being detrimentally impacted. So that is sitting with the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform for the last number of years. And we think that the, the actual implementation and, oper- and operating, putting that in, uh, you know, making sure that it's operational would make a difference for, for young people seeking help. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking of parents, uh, Burr, you know, who are watching um, a son or a daughter struggling and they go look for the help to be told it isn't available. Are you going to have to go on a waiting list? That must be very, very hard for parents. Exactly. And that the, the thing as well is, if, again, if someone gets to the point where they're looking for support and services, then they've already gone through you know, a, a number of, of levels of, of distress or stressors to, to get to the point where they're 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 looking for for um, a greater level of, of, of help and support. Um, so we would say one of the things that has come up for us, um, we, we have a children's mental health coalition as our an advisory committee to us, and something that comes up to us is about the the lack of clear communication. So people are saying, like parents, for example if they apply for assessments for their children, they might get letters back that is full of kind of medical jargon and, you know, it's not set out in a clear way of this is how long you're going to be waiting. These are the other services that are available to you in the community in the meantime, you know, that there are kind of different steps to, to levels of, cl- of care. Mm. And that's something that we know could be remedied tomorrow. You know, like there's... We, the things that we're asking for in Budget 2024, of course, are an increased investment. But there are so many things that could be taken smaller steps, which wouldn't um, involve huge amounts of investment that would make a real day-to-day impact on the lives of, of the parents, uh, people accessing the services, teachers who have students in distress. You know, so there's, there, there really are a number of ways that, that, that things could be improved. And when, we, when we're talking about mental health issues, are they more common amongst girls than boys or is it equally divided? Yeah, so they do seem to be, when you look at all of the, the research, it does seem to be higher levels um, of, express, uh, uh, of distress um, expressed by, by girls. 
Now, part of that you wouldn't know is whether it's that girls are more likely to, to speak about it. Mm. Um, you know, so again, in, in the, the Ombudsman for Children report, it was, I think, 65% of, of the young people who filled out that survey were girls. Um, you know, so I don't know whether that's still part of it, but we do know that obviously it, it, it's females, girls that are, are more likely to be in inpatient units and and be at that level of, of distress, around, particularly around eating disorders and, and body image. But I think, again, that the thing, it, it comes back to the, the conversations um, that, that we need to be having at, at earlier stages and like that with, with parents and, and, and friends and supporters and, and carers. Like, so the, if you're looking even just at emergency departments in general hospitals, between 73 and 85% of all admissions at that point, so children aged between 5 and 15, are due to mental health grounds. So, Can you, you know, say, that again, say that again? Yeah. 85%? Yeah, of admissions to emergency departments among children aged 5 to 15 Whoa. are due to mental health grounds. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and and so and that's we're we're we'll be sending off our pre-budget submission now today. But we've you know we we've, we've done a lot of work around the early intervention and prevention points, you know. And again, we know that we don't like to talk about these things in economic terms, but obviously, if you're putting an investment in at earlier stages, it's going to have greater impacts for 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 everyone down the line, you know. Yeah. And we would say that investing in mental health services and supports that it's not a cost to the exchequer, you know, that it is an investment. And more than that, and more importantly than that, it's an investment in, in people and their well-being. So we did welcome the, the Taoiseach announced, um, he set up a child poverty and well-being unit this year uh, as part of his department. And, you know, we've been trying to link in um, more with them and with the Department of Children around, you know, what is actually being, do, be, being done around a young person's well-being. Um, and there's lots of conversations about well-being now rather than mental health. So, mm. you know, we're not sure what's the, what are they distinguishing be, between the, the two, you know, and, and some groups would say as well that you can't look at a child's well-being on its own, you know, that a, a, a child's well-being is affected by the, the family's well-being as well, you know. That's a good point. That's a good point. But And as with, you know, all illnesses, all diseases, time and time again, we hear early intervention is the key because if you get in with the early intervention, it saves people having to end up at that stage where they have to be um, admitted for, for inpatient treatment because inpatient treatment costs so much more than that early intervention in the community would have cost. Exactly. And I think there's, there's part of it is around the stigma and discrimination around mental health as well. You know, like we know the World Health Organization says there is no health without mental health. There, you yeah, can't yeah. look at physical and mental health as two separate things. So we're like, but if you think of maybe some of the early screening programs for some physical illnesses, you know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of money put into that. There's a lot of awareness raising. There's a lot of public facing campaigns about, you know, how we should check in on certain aspects of our physical health. The same hasn't been said around mental health. Um, you know, on certain things like, you know, things been been better for our well being, you know, like, you know, going for a walk or going for a run or doing yoga, you know, all of those kind of things for the very the, the mild end of, of mental health, but it's that reduction of stigma and shame around, you know, if you are experiencing 
more greater levels of distress, you know, that it that there are services out there for you. And actually, just one of the things, because I think, Patricia, we often get, like, we see it all the time. We talk to people with lived experience of mental health difficulties and, and their families and and friends, and, and people can feel really disheartened, like, you know, nothing is, is changing. And I suppose one of the good things that I, I took from the HRB report when you look at the review of the data from 2013 to 2022, is that there are reductions in the, the number of, of people um, being admitted in, into the inpatient units. So we, we must be go, you know, we must be doing something right, right even yeah. if it's on a small right. level in, in some places in right. the community health organisation. Okay. And, just, and, and just very finally, uh, Burr, are, are young people today, are they better about talking about their mental health than say previous generations were. Um, I'm I'm far from a young person myself <laughs> now, Patricia. You sound, um, well, you sound know, incredibly young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know within I know within my friend groups, um, and you know you'd hear people much more open around saying, you know, all oh, my anxiety, uh, you know, or I'm feeling quite stressed. Um, I would like to think that the yeah. that the language around it has changed, but again, it's. Who has it changed for? You know, like if you're in um, a supportive school environment or, you know, that your family are quite open and speaking about mental health and, and how people are doing, you know, then hopefully you're in that supportive environment. But maybe if you're, you're in, uh, yeah, you know, so a yeah. lot of that, it has to do with, with, with your socioeconomic circumstances, with how secure you are in, in your neighbourhood and your environment. So I think that's the part. So I do I do think uh, on a hopeful note that we are getting better in, in, in some parts. Okay. But I think there's still work to be done for, for people whose voices aren't always heard. Well, we, we wish you luck with your pre-budget submission. Hope we, you get everything that you're asking for, Burr. In the meantime, I've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning. To you. Have a great Thank day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Burr Grogan, who's Policy and Research Manager with the Mental Health Reform. 0818 our lines are open Ryan taking a very different view on it says what a lot, lot of mumbo jumbo looking for funding for another organisation children have never had it so better has never had it so good I suppose I'll rephrase it for um, for Ryan that's your thoughts uh, Ryan uh, 0818 103 103 Now last week it was announced that the state of the art swimming pool in Dunmanway Leisure Centre has been forced to close again. The Leisure Centre only opened up six years ago and to find out what's going on this time I'm joined by local independent councillor Declan Hurley Good morning to you Declan Good morning Patricia Okay what is the reason for the current closure? I like your intro when you mentioned the word again, and unfortunately, yes, uh, again, uh, another saga in, in the story of uh, the Man of Swimming Pool. Uh, thankfully, this time, Patricia, it's been kind of a short, uh, a short closure. Um, it closed on Wednesday afternoon of last week uh, without, well, obviously, the members were notified with the public. And kind of once the sessions were finished, it just closed, they closed the doors. And at the time, it was a mechanical fault with the mechanical operations of the running of the pool. So I would imagine if you break that down, probably a boiler or a pump uh, in relation to the the operation facilities of the, the pool itself. And and when it closed on previous occasions, just give us an example of some of the reasons why it closed before. Well, as, as you say, Patricia, it opened six years ago. And like any new facility or new project, you expect uh, teething, teething problems. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're, we're six years on now and we still have those teething problems. So... 
it, it, the pool has been uh, sort of branded a state-of-the-art facility, but I'm, I'm beginning to question how much of a state-of-the-art facility is it when we have these continuous ongoing breakdowns well, that are resulting in the pool having to close uh, on quite a regular basis at this stage. Yeah, because I was talking to John Paul last week when the announcement came in for us to announce that the pool was closed again. And, and I was just saying to John Paul, I don't think we are, have ever called out other swimming pools to have closed so often as this state-of-the-art swimming pool in Dunmanway. No, and uh, like the public will know, obviously, with the local authorities, um, we have to tender for these projects when, when they're multi-million euro projects. And obviously, at the end of the day, how that works, the lowest tender, the lowest price gets the, gets the bid. But I, I be, I'm beginning to question, is, is this real value for money? Because if you have... We've spent 5.5 million in building the new pool in Dunmanway, and now we have these ongoing issues with the pool opening and closing, opening and closing for the last six years. And are we actually getting a bang for our buck from the point of view of, of, of accepting the lowest tender price? Are we getting value for money is the question I think that has to be asked. If it's not good enough, like it's public money and the public are using the pool on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and it's part of their, their weekly daily and weekly routine. And then if they're into a routine, all of a sudden then the service closes the door and it's closed maybe for a few days or a week. Um, if you, you think back there about two years ago with the issue of the toddler pool, there mm-hmm. was a build-up of calcium in, in the floor of the pool and there was a risk of injury from that. The pool was closed to the bone for maybe three months. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, again, we had the staffing issues post-COVID and there's the issue with, with the staffing for the hours. Like, so it's been ongoing issues. The staffing uh, issues still got sorted, didn't they? Yeah, they did at the time, but I, I still would be nervous at the point of time. It, 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 there's only a panel there to kind of back up um, the existing full-time staff. And if, 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 and if that gets depleted again, we're back we'll to square one where we that. don't have... Yeah, OK, and, and I think what's really disappointing, and, and I mentioned this last week when I was announcing that it was closed, we're in the middle of the summer holidays. I we mean, are, it must yeah. be a huge disappointment. How has it been with the news being received locally? Uh, very disappointing. And, you know, even spring, summer or winter, the locals, they're delighted to have the facility. And, you know, there's other towns very envious of demand to have such a facility in West Cork. But, like, obviously, when the service goes, it's a huge disappointment to the locals. Um, obviously, locals use it on a regular basis. They have family, friends coming to, to holiday in West Cork. And um, at the moment, unfortunately, the weather isn't ideal. It's not maybe beach weather. Yeah. And uh, if you can go to the beach, where would you go? On Just to, bring the, the, the children to the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly. going to have yeah. parents nearly tearing their hair out. Now, it is important to mention that the gym remains open, doesn't it? Well, thankfully, Patricia, the, the problem was resolved last Thursday evening, so the pool reopened. Oh, again. great, great. It reopened the doors last, last Thursday, and uh, the gym, thankfully, kept going while the pool uh, side of the building was, was closed. So that, that service kept going. But again, we're just waiting for the next issue to come up again. Like, and it, it's, you, know, you just, the trust, uh, Patricia, they said, I think people are starting to lose trust in, in the facility because, again, if you're training, say, for swimming or anything, you have to have a regular. Uh, and a trusted um, service to go and, and get that uh, on a daily basis. But uh, at the moment, thankfully, we're up and running again. But for but, how long? I can't answer that question. OK. And and of course, it's not just the town of Dunmanway. I mean, that that pool would draw you users from quite a wide area, wouldn't it? Very wide area. You're looking at Clonakilty, Bantry, McCroom, Bandon. That's a, a huge catchment area. And people do travel 
uh, to use a facility like so. It, it, there's a great local spin-off to the economy in Dumanway from that point of view. So obviously any day or week that the pool is closed, it, it's lost revenue for local businesses in the town who benefit from people coming into the old local area to use the facility. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, with the, the with the weather as it is at the moment, how is the weather affecting it? There are a lot of tourists around um, Declan. There is, I'm beginning to see now strange cars in the locality, which is good. Um, obviously, as both the men were being central in West Cork, people kind of use it as their base, uh, kind of being central in West Cork, and they can then travel out to various locations. So thankfully now, I think um, we are actually, I'm on the way now to kind of guilty to our last divisional meeting of, of the season. So we're getting holidays today ourselves. Okay. Just for meetings, I have to say, not from the, from the daily work, the phone still rings and there's people looking for work. But I think the next few weeks now, you will see West Cork getting busy and plenty full with tourists. Uh, hopefully to to um, uh, enjoy what we have to offer here in West Cork. And, and any sign of the rain disappearing? Even though when you're looking at what's going on in uh, Europe, you kind of wonder uh, really which is which is the better of the two, is wouldn't you? Well, I, I think looking at County Cork in general, I think we're kind of an activities-based uh, county. And I think that's one of the, the jewels in our crown from the point of view. The weather solely doesn't, we don't depend solely on fine weather for the entire summer, we're able to accommodate and uh, adjust to the weather for the as well as the activities we undertake. So there's a wide range of different activities around the county for people to enjoy. And if we don't have to have the sun uh, seven days a week, um, four weeks of the month, like we were able to, I suppose, accommodate a wet day as well as a dry day. But the more dry days we have, obviously, the more enjoyable. But um, at the moment, I think the forecast is, is broken for the next week. Again, but it is, hopefully, it is. It is. We, can, we can live in hope. We can live, live in hope. hope. Listen, hope. thanks for that, uh, Jacqueline. I'll let you off to your meeting. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Okay, thanks, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is West Cork Independent Councillor uh, Declan Hurley. And somebody is pointing out, saying, Patricia, remember the wonderful weather that we had last summer and all the upset that was caused about the goat, the wild goat in Puck Fair? Um, will we see a hot weather like that? And Puck Fair, of course, is, is August, isn't it? And actually, I've seen that the, uh, the hours normally that the wild goat is spent when he's suspended over Kilorglan for Puck Fair is going to be curtailed this year. There was really huge, huge concerns about the welfare of the goat last year. But that happened that when Puck Fair was on in August, we had that uh, heat wave. And that was the story that dominated uh, the headlines and got people involved from all over the country that were talking about animal welfare abuse people were afraid that the goat would just overheat being stuck up so high in you know clear blue skies very high uh, temperatures However, the changes of the ancient tradition are coming under fire locally again and it seems feelings are running high according to a local representative who was warned that their way of life is under threat from animal rights and from other pressure. Now, for hundreds of years, a wild goat, every year it's a male goat, it spends three days and three nights on a 50-foot stand in Kilorglan in County Kerry. Now, there has been... There has been objections in the past, but I think last year, because of the way the weather was, I think that just brought a lot of public attention to it. So they have uh, decided now. And and I have to say, in you know, for the last number of years, it's always been overseen by a vet and they make sure that the animal 
isn't under pressure, even though people keep saying, you know, Patricia, it's a wild goat. The very fact that it's pinned into a cage and suspended on a height, of course, it's going to be living in absolute uh, fear. So uh, they have decided that it's going not going to spend as many hours. Now, I can't find out the exact amount of hours it is going to spend in the cage, but there's going to be a reduction in the number of hours this year. And by the way, Puck Fair goes on from the 10th to the 12th of uh, August. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Some of your calls coming in reacting to uh, my chat at the start of the programme about uh, mental health and the fact that there has been a doubling in the number of young uh, people admitted to child inpatient psychiatric units uh, have doubled from eating disorders in the last uh, five years. Um, one listener says, Patricia, that is why there should be a psychologist in all of our primary schools. We need to catch it earlier. All teachers should have, have some part of psychology as part of the course that they do when they train to be a primary school uh, teacher. Uh, it should be added to their degree. And I, I wonder, it's uh, your checks didn't come in in time for, for Berg Rogan of Mental Health Reform, but she was all talking about the whole need for early intervention. So maybe yeah, having psychologists working and primary school teachers in some way being trained in psychology, that could be an answer. And then at the end, close of my interview with Burr, I had Ryan, one of our listeners, uh, accused us of talking about a lot of mumbo jumbo looking for funding for young people. And he was making the point that children have never had it so uh, good. Somebody said, oh, my God, Patricia, what an insulting man that Ryan is. It's definitely not easy to deal with anxiety or to deal with an eating disorder for a child and their need to avail of services. Yes, I do believe there is a lot of funds wasted on children and families with regard to social welfare, etc. But definitely there needs to be investment in CAMS and in mental health for everyone and that particularly includes children. Thank you. That was a text to 0862 103 103. Now Nick Richards and the C103 uh, Street uh, Fleet will be live from Mallow Credit Union. Now that's happening this uh, Friday and they're going to Mallow Credit Union because guess what? Mallow Credit Union are celebrating their 60th anniversary. So we're inviting one and all to be at Mallow Credit Union on Bank Place from between one and four. There's going to be lots of giveaways. There'll be fantastic music with our own Nick Richards and lots, lots more. Now that's happening this Friday 21st of July between 1 and 4 and we're inviting you to be part of the birthday celebrations for Mallow Credit Union celebrating their big 6-0 and we want you to be part of the celebrations with uh, C103. 0818 103 Bernie is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103-103. Some of your calls uh, coming in when I was talking about how wet the weather is and it's looking like July is shaping up to be one of our wettest on uh, records. Juliana in Mayfield was on to point out that last Saturday was St. Swidden's Day and of course the proverb is if it rains on St. Swidden's Day it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. So we'll ask Juliana in Mayfield will you keep count of the 40 days and the 40 nights and let us know when it's over because so far it has come uh, true. Let's hope we can prove uh, that wrong. And then a listener has been on. Anybody else having a problem with this? This listener is trying to buy Gaviscon sachets for adults. 
and is wondering, have they been completely taken off the market? Uh, Texter says, I got them abroad, but I'm, f- I'm failing to buy them in any pharmacy here in Ireland. I've tried online to be told they can't get them. I think perhaps they've been taken off the market. My question is uh, why when they, you can buy the tablets, but the listener says when, when I chew those tablets, they cling to my teeth and I think they're awful. If I'm going out, the fear of heartburn never far away. So the sachets are great for that. I don't want to be bringing a bottle of Gavis gone uh, with me. So, so I wasn't aware that there was an issue with Gaviscon so I went online during the news just to do a quick Google search of Gaviscon sachets for adults and the listeners write any of the Irish pharmacies that I clicked on they just say out of stock, out of stock, out of stock I clicked on a pharmacy in the UK and they have them available. I do know and I remember back in March the last time we spoke about Gaviscon tablets we had some listeners who were having problems getting the tablets not the actual sachets and at the time there was a kind of a a shortage not just here in Ireland it seemed to be a worldwide uh, shortage there was issues with production on some of the raw ingredients used to make a lot of common drugs in China and in India and Gaviscon tablets were one of them at the time and the call had gone out to people not to hoard them to leave them available so that pharmacists would have them for people that that needed them but that situation eased I'm assuming the fact that they are available in the UK and you say in your text that you've been able to get them overseas. That means they haven't been taken off the market. There just seems to be a supply issue coming into this country. There's a lot of medicines, particularly the over-counter ones. We know there's a lot of only last week I mentioned, I think we're at about 300, the number of medicines that pharmacies can't get. These are prescription uh, drugs but you add to that the -the over-the-counter ones. Remember was it earlier on this year the cough bottles there was a huge issue uh, with those as well and a lot of that is to do with uh, supplies and like we are when you look at Ireland we are a tiny dot when you look to other countries so when orders go in we'd have much smaller orders than say some of the larger countries in the EU even our neighbours in the United Kingdom would have much bigger orders than we would be having so we're kind of down the pecking order when it comes to getting supplies in so I'm assuming that it is probably just an issue with supply at the moment what I would suggest you do is speak to your pharmacist when you're in your pharmacist ask them and they may be able to give you some indication of when they're going to come back in come back on and in the meantime if you are abroad or you've got any family members travelling abroad get them to buy you some just to uh, tide you over but is anybody else having problems with the Gaviscon the sachets not the the actual liquid Gaviscon in the bottle is fine no problem with that the only other thing could you could you get a small container maybe bring a small amount out with you I know you don't want to be bringing the big bottle of Gaviscon in your handbag but maybe just a small little bottle you know you could put it into a small bottle and bring that in instead that's about the only thing I can think of oh wait 1-8-103-103 Margaret in Charleville is in a bit of a pickle at the moment as well she just scanned on um, in the Marta Private in uh, Maham she says she knows now because the Marta Private in Mahan have told her that the results have been sent to her uh, GP but her problem is she can't get an appointment with her GP for at least two to three weeks to get the results um, what I would suggest maybe and I don't know if this is possible ring back the GP practice again and see could you get a telephone consultation or could one of the nurses in the practice read the results for you until you get physically in to see 
the uh, doctor that might be a way around it. But I know, listen, we've dealt with the issue with GPs in Charleville because they unfortunately lost two of their doctors, not lost them, they retired and they're quite entitled to retire. And it's put massive pressure on the GPs, the existing GPs in Charleville to the point that people who are then looking to get a new GP are travelling many, many kilometres and miles outside of Charleville just to register with the doctor. So that is an ongoing problem. 0818103103. We were talking in the last hour about mental health and mental health with regards to uh, children. Margaret in Chambally Moore says her son uh, suffers from mental health issues. He is an adult. She says, while well, you're talking about the lack of mental health facilities for children, she said, let's not forget the lack of mental health for adults. She said, currently her son is in and out of St. Stephen's Hospital in the city. She said, there's times when he gets so bad they have to ring the Gardaí to intervene. And she said, the Gardaí really don't want to get involved in family matters. And yeah, and listen, I've heard that countless times uh, before. No family wants to do that. No family wants to ring the Gardaí on uh, an adult son or daughter. But when the mental health issues just get so bad, it's a, that's a tough, tough place uh, to be in. But it's always been known, hasn't it, as kind of the Cinderella of the health services or mental health facilities. I thought they were putting more money in, but can they ever put enough in? I don't know, but my heart goes out to you, uh, Margaret. 0818103103. Somebody else is kind of agreeing, I think, with Ryan, who feels it's all mumbo jumbo we're talking about when we're talking about children's uh, mental uh, health. This listener says, in the name of God, come into any city or town any evening or weekend and you'll see for yourself the concerns those young people have on their minds. It's sex, drugs, alcohol and competing with each other regarding fashion in spite of wearing little or no clothing. These children are mixed up in their heads because of all of the mental health groups and the political establishment they've never had it so good that's kind of a little bit unfair because when we're talking about children with mental health we're not saying every single child is suffering mental health but let's not take away from the children who are very very distressed and are suffering from a mental health and yes people might say compared to our day their children today never had it so good but I, I, I certainly don't think in our day there was ever as much societal pressure put on young people that they have uh, today and that's causing a lot of mental health uh, issues. Sheila says, Hi Trish, it seems to me that the biggest part of the mental health of children today is due to society that they're living in. They don't play games now uh, What they need, where they need to use their imagination. We call it today mindfulness. Whereas years ago, guess what we called it? We called it let's pretend. They are exposed to far more drugs and sex way beyond their young minds can cope with. They don't even believe now in the baby Jesus who they were able to tell their troubles to. Back in the day, we didn't have much But we never heard of a pal suffering from anxiety or suffering from any kind of eating disorders. We didn't even know the word boredom. Is it not time to look at the bigger picture, says Sheila? And does does society have to step up to the mark to say we need to do more for our young uh, people? And then hi, Patricia, with regard to psychology and putting psychology in place for children in schools. So my reaction to that is why why not just build on extension to all of our schools and give the young people full board and lodging because to be honest I'm sick of hearing parents whining they're getting so they're getting so much money from the state and getting extra time off by the truck load the majority of parents today don't 
cook a basic meal for their children. So my suggestion would be give all of the children full board at school and at least we know they would be getting decent food and we also might start to uh, realise that they're going to bed on time. Whoa, there's quite a harsh reaction to today's parents. 0818103103 and hi Patricia, while you were talking about animal cruelty when I mentioned about the puck at a puck affair, uh, are you going to discuss the absolute waste of taxpayers' money on the bailed out Yall Greyhound track attracting just three spectators to every meeting. That same track received 760,000 K in funding since 2020 and it drew just 92 attendees over 31 meets for an industry with such a checkered history. It's time to end the, uh, to cut the funding. And this is a story making the Irish Examiner. I had to do a double take on it, actually. I have to say, when I was going through the papers this morning, it's uh, Kieran uh, Brennan, or Kean Brennan is writing about it uh, in the Examiner. And yes, the Yall Greyhound track, which was bailed out earlier this, this year, is attracting an average attendance of just three members of the public at its twice weekly meets. Yall Greyhound track uh, due, our listeners write, 92 attendees over 31 meets during the first four months of this year when trainers and bookmakers were excluded. That's figures released by the sporting governing uh, body. Uh, the track, what were bookmakers doing there if there's only that low uh, attendee? Uh, the track which had received our listeners spot on with the funding since 2020 was days away from closures. I do remember that back in April but it got a last minute reprieve. Now a spokesperson for the Greyhound Racing Ireland board said that the twice weekly meeting at Yall are held in the early evening and they accept at times that that's not conducive to attracting members of the public. But the stadium has a deal with the UK satellite broadcaster, their sports information services. And that arrangement is commercially attractive agreement between the Greyhound Racing Board and the track in Yall. So it looks like the race meets are put on for the UK market and for the betting shops. Is, is, is that what they are saying? It was due to close down. The, well, the, it was threatened for closure by the end of March this year, but a deal was struck. The lease was up on the 31st, but the, the lease then uh, was, it, 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 there, there was an appeal made to keep the track open to the Agriculture Minister, uh, Charlie McConnelloke. And uh, the track has remained open, but a listener says with that low uh, attendance, but they're saying it's commercially viable because they are broadcasting the races on uh, satellite to that racing company instead. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls because John Paul is on his holidays. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Fitzgerald Construction in Mallow. They've got vacancies for both skilled and semi-skilled operatives. It's on a full-time basis. Applicants must have a full driver's licence, safe pass and ability to work with general power tools. CVs please to info at fitzgeraldconstruction.ie. A full-time admin assistant is wanted for Anakisha in Mallow. CVs please to farmcoag.office1 at gmail.com. Murphy's Pharmacy in Bohabui. They've got a vacancy for a front of house sales slash supervisor. CV and a cover letter please to murphys.pharmacyjobs at gmail.com and the closing date is the 31st of July. 
and Munster Drone Services. They've got a vacancy for a sales advisor. CV and cover letter to hr at munsterdroneservices.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. And by the way, when we're talking about vanishing products, uh, Joe Windermamwe says, listening to you with interest about the vanishing products, this seems to be the Gaviscon in the sachets. Uh, I can't find liquid cod liver oil anywhere. I can find the capsules, but I'm looking for the bottle of the liquid cod liver oil. How strange, says Joe in Domamwe. I'm sure Annelise last week, somebody had a question in about cod liver oil. I don't know whether she was talking about the liquid in the bottle or whether she was talking about the capsules or not. But um, Joe, if you want to get back on to us when Annelise is on, I can ask Annelise if it is available or not. But have others noticed that the liquid version of the cod liver oil, not the sachets, has anybody else uh, spotted that or has anybody else noticed that it appears to be in short supply and then Breed was on this is to do with scam calls Hi Patricia just to let your listeners know I received two calls to be honest I don't know if they were scams or not one was from a lady that said they were a company with something to do with attic insulation and wanted to speak to the owner of the house it, the number was 202-1171 and then four minutes later I got a call from a man saying he was from some hearing agency and he wanted to know is there anybody in the house that's got hearing problems? He wanted to do a survey. That number was 6017789. I said no to everything. I think it might be best not to answer a number that you don't know. Sometimes it's difficult as these numbers can be similar to known numbers. Yeah. And then when you look at it very quickly, you think, oh, that's our Margaret or our, that's our Paula. And then it turns out that it's not. Um, I tell you what I do, uh, Breed, because like that, at one stage I was just getting so many of those uh, scam uh, calls that they just became tiresome and annoying. So what I do now is, if a number pops up on my phone that I don't know, I don't answer it, particularly on a mobile, um, because I've got a message, you know, the message, they can leave a message. And if it's somebody who is trying to contact me, they will leave a message and I'm able to call them back. And the countless times I've rang somebody back saying, sorry, I didn't take your call, but I don't take calls from numbers I don't know. And the amount of people say, yeah, I do the very same thing myself. So, yeah, you're probably right, just in case that it was some kind of a scam. They seem too unusual ones to get back to back. Maybe there was somebody doing a survey and maybe it was somebody trying to sell you attic insulation. I don't know. 0818103103. Now, parents and principals of all eight primary schools in Greystones in County Limerick, as we in County Wick, Club, as we mentioned last week, have banned smartphones until the children hit secondary school age. Fine Gael Senator Mary Siri Carney feels the initiative should be rolled out nationwide. And I'm delighted to say she joins me to share her views. Good morning to you, Mary. Hello, good morning. And you're very good to have me on. Well, listen, you're very welcome. I believe this is just more than just smartphones in um, Greystones. Um, any device that can download an app, they, they're really going all out on this. Yeah, so they're, they're just, I suppose, calling it any smart device. Uh, so that includes uh, watches, you know, any anything like that, iPads, anything that would circumvent this rule. And the whole being, the, the reason being, it emerged from, an, uh, they noticed that children were displaying a high level of anxiety 
Uh, and and when one principal spoke to another principal, they realised it wasn't unique to their school, so it wasn't only their perspective. And they thought, well, you know, what, why is there anxiety? What can we do? So they birthed an initiative, which is called It Takes a Village, and it, it involves a much wider commitment to raising children and awareness about mental health and well-being of young people. But one of the central aspects of that was to get people to voluntarily sign up to a code that said they would not give their child a smartphone or device until they were in secondary school. And principally behind that is the idea that children go through developmental stages. They, they, uh, that social interaction of the playground, even the little tips that they have, that's all part of learning and resilience and, and how you're going to cope with, with matters in life, how you're going to negotiate, how you're going to do turn-taking and cope with everything. So I, I suppose when, when a child has its head buried in a device, um, they're not they're not interacting mm. with other children. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And of course, the the real key in in Greystones and the way that this is going to work, it's the total buy-in, isn't it, from the parents and from the schools? Yes, yes it is. So in in fairness to them, they went through quite a protracted period of ensuring that everybody was bought in, and they had that almost peer pressure amongst parents. Uh, that they that so many were signing up that those who were reluctant um, were also were happy then to, to say, OK, well, we'll look, we'll row in and we'll give it a go. It'll be properly rolled out in its fullness uh, from September. But, and they have a team for every month on the well-being of their young people and their, their children. But it does, it, it is a matter of being voluntary. Now, there are some children that need exception. If you're, if you're a child with diabetes, they have an implant in their arm and that's monitored on an app. But that, but that phone can be kept with a principal or deputy principal. So yeah. it can be kept with a, with a, you know, an oversight within the school and convenient to the child so that they're not, they aren't the exception there amongst all of the other children, giving rise to envy on their part. Um, but So there are some exceptions. And there's nothing against having a phone if there's a, you know, a particular circumstances that is merely a, a telephone only and text messages only and cannot download apps. Uh, so that's those exceptions. Can and, and, and the big one is, uh, Mary, it takes away the child pestering the parents. Everybody else yeah. in the class has the latest iPhone, you have to buy me one. Well, one of the, the principals that started all of this, Rachel Harper, she told me that in actual fact they've had experience with parents as parents have reported that where they had the phone, they handed the phone back to the parents and said, we're not allowed this. No one else has one. Ooh. So the, the children have voluntarily engaged in it. I mean, I know my, my own scenario is my, my daughter is eight. We're doing post-Holy Communion. Uh, clearly, there was conversation going on in the class. And she said to me only a couple of weeks ago, when am I get, When will I be allowed a phone? And my answer was, not till you're in secondary school, because I've done extensive reading on this. I've you know, counseled families in my previous life as a, a counseling psychologist. And so it was in that context of thinking, no, you need that interaction, you need that eye contact, that human-to-human connection. Uh, children need that as part, it's an essential part of their development. And you know what, that's being circumvented by so much time on, on iPhones. So would you like to see this officially rolled out by, say, the Department of Education? Or would you yes. like what people have done in Greystones, let the schools and the parents sort it out themselves? Well, I, I suppose the first thing I'd say to you is I've had a whole, when, well, from once I put out the call, because my call was that the Department of Education needed to initiate this. 
they needed to provide that support. And in an ideal world, we'd have a circular coming from the department that said, you know what, there, there shouldn't be uh, phones in primary schools. So there shouldn't, we shouldn't have that. And in fact, uh, I, I was cautious about it, thinking, gosh, I'm going to have a, a backlash to this. But that's not what happened. I haven't had one negative comment. I've been overwhelmed with the emails and parents and schools contacting me saying, we're already going to do this. So I think there's an appetite amongst uh, our, our parents uh, to be supported in ensuring that this happens uh, countrywide. And on Thursday last, I was very glad that Minister Nora Foley acknowledged the fact that actually this is something they're looking at and that they want to support countrywide. Well done. And I, and I know we spoke about the school in Dingle. They've got the, the yonder pouches. I mean, the children yes. still have the phones, but at least when they're when they're in the school, they don't have the uh, the phones. But we know, Mary, you know, mobile phones can lead to um, cyberbullying. I mean, it can also lead to children being left out. So Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Nothing more heartbreaking than a child seeing all their friends out together um, and they weren't included. Absolutely. And the, the pressure that comes, even we as adults, the pressure that comes from being in WhatsApp groups, there's pol- politics within WhatsApp groups of who comments on who, who doesn't, when your child is commented on and all of the rest. A child shouldn't be exposed to that at an early age. It's hard to deal with it as adults, let alone children who are still in that developmental phase of their life. So the cyberbullying is a very serious element of all of this that we need to protect them until they're old enough to have some level of resilience and some level of being within their own skin and being confident in who they are. The only way that will happen, though, is not being prematurely exposed and distracted. I mean, the fact is there's an addiction to phones. Professor Mary Aitken wrote a brilliant book back in 2014 uh, called The Cyber Effect. And she describes that phone addiction, that game addiction, the screen addiction that happens and how that happens in the brain of our children uh, and, in, and in us as adults. And in that, we need to, um, we need to, we need to protect them from that. I, I think that we've, we've run ahead where phones are marketed to us, apps, games, everything is being marketed to us uh, without us considering what is the implication of that, what, what, is, what are the consequences of that on that developmental stages of our children's lives. 
Yeah, Suzanne in the city uh, says well, well done to Senator Mary Siri Carney for raising this issue but, but as parents, parents need to lead by example. Suzanne was out uh, to dinner at the weekend and she said she couldn't get over. There was a family next to her at a table, mother, father and three children. The parents didn't speak once during the meal they, except to order food. They spent their whole time on their phones. What was interesting, says Suzanne, yeah. was the children were talking to each other but the parents weren't engaged at all. No. No, and you you will see that. And in I've done a number of interviews like this that were out in the last week. And time and time again, people are contacting shows saying they've observed that where children are not, um, they're not engaging. The adults aren't engaging. And I cited myself, my my own child's swimming class. Yes, you look along the banks, parents are using, and maybe they're using that time to catch up on emails. Maybe maybe they're doing that, but they're not engaging with their child. Yeah, yeah. you know, not giving the thumbs up to their child for swimming a width or, you know, have been able to, to do a few strokes. They're not, they're not there present with the child. And I think the problem is for all of us with phones, we need to actually be putting in a discipline because quite often we're, we're physically present with our family members or our friends, but we're not mentally present because we're actually present on whatever we're watching on, on social media or, you know, in WhatsApp groups or we're doing things like that. I mean, one of, one of the things and I have always kind of advised to switch off the notifications. Don't have this business of them flagging up in banners on the front, on the on the on the screen, because you're it's it's all triggered to draw you in all of the time. It's deliberate ploys to draw you in and draw you away from being physically present in the here and now with the people that you're with. And that's really important that we're doing that. Well said, well said. I can see a lot of parents are saying, well done, it should be rolled out at Nationwide. Mary, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks Great. for taking Thank time out to much. talk to us. Good Thank morning you. to you. Okay. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Fine Gael Senator Mary Siri Carney looking for the rollout of that initiative at Nationwide. Uh, fair dues to Greystones. Um, this was a, a text that came in when I mentioned this last week and I, I didn't get to it. Uh, and in particular to Rachel Harper. Rachel is the... as. Uh, Mary mentioned her, she's the principal of that school in Greystones. Parents are blamed for every failing related relating to their own children. But while a village raises a child, one poorly engaged parent will destroy the good parenting of all others. 99.9% of us can ban certain films or forbid our children playing games which are destined for older age groups or condemn underage drinking, for example. Unfortunately, if one one child's parents allows any of these. The pressure on the 99.9% to give in becomes so intense. Meanwhile, the child can visit the home of the lax parents to hang out, can end up playing the over 16s or over 18 games while having alcohol in that other house. Parents should adopt the mantra, all for one and one for all. Together we can protect our children's childhood and put a stop to the pressure statements that everyone else is allowed to do it. You've got to allow me to do it because we can go, we can confidently respond to the country. Uh, well done again to uh, Greystones. And as I say, it gets rolled out officially in September. Let's wait and see will other areas uh, follow suit. And it will be interesting to see will the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, will she pick up on it as well? 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. I can see questions coming in for Annalise as well. You can keep those uh, coming. She'll join us in the next hour. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 
103 103. Cork today on C103. Now next Sunday, prayers please for a fine day. We'll need all the Child of Prague statues out because the annual Make Your Mark on Cancer charity walk will be held. As with previous years, the participants will walk from the viaduct all the way to the town hall in Bandon. To chat about this year's fundraiser, I'm joined by Robert Wilmot, who is a member of Bandon Walking Club. Good morning to you, Robert. Morning, Patricia. And great to chat to you. Um, it's in its 10th year. Is it true you've walked every year? So far, Patricia, you know, no, American American Cancer started 10 years ago. And previous to that, I suppose, we used to have the Regioni Rock, which went on for 25 years. That died off then, and American American Cancer came up then, and it uh, was great to support it. And would you know a lot of people who turn up every single year? Would they be familiar faces along the route? Oh, yes, and uh, you get a lot of the regular walkers, would say, and you get new people in, then, you know, their families have been affected one way or the other by cancer, I suppose, and uh, they'd like to support it. Well, there isn't a family in this country, I think, Robert, who hasn't been affected in some way by cancer, so everybody knows how important the fundraising aspect uh, is to it. But just remind us how this walk came about and why. Uh, this walk, uh, there was... Uh, uh, Ellen Bennon here called Mark Brundigas and he had testicular cancer and uh, he fought it hard and passed away and his family decided that we should start a fundraiser for the Mercy Hospital and um, they started off and like every other organisation starting off, you know, it started off small and it built up then and uh, like you could have four or five hundred walk, you know, next Sunday with the help of God and if the day is fine you you'll get more people over. Goodness, walking. goodness, and and I love the idea that Mark, while Mark has been remembered, the fact that it's make your mark on cancer, his name is even included in it, so he'll be forever remembered by it as well. There's something nice about that. Yes, and look, his family are great support, and they've an organising the organising committee. They're led by Carol Crane, and she's a great volunteer around Bendon here, and great worker, and uh, like only for the volunteers. Like I suppose this country in one way would be in trouble, but yeah. like like we start, we'll take off next Sunday. Now, um, Dennis McCarthy, McCarthy's coaches, will provide the buses free as usual for the last ten years, and they'll drop people into the viaduct and they'll walk out and like just twenty k, but just five k and five k and five k. Like just four fives. That's what. That's that's that's, that's so. what you te- That's what you need to get into your head when you're doing the walk. Yes. Yeah, because twenty k—that's that's quite a walk, Robert. Uh, it it is for people that are walking regularly. But if you walk regularly and you say, "I I go from the viaduct now and I head down to the roundabout," and yeah. I go from the roundabout now and I head up the the caravans, uh, webs there, Anthony Dunhamans, and you go from there in, into Nishannon, and then sure, most people have walked from Nishannon to Ben. You're nearly back. home. You're nearly home you're, with that set. So you'll suffer maybe the last bit. But very important, like for people who are going out walking, make sure that your feet are looked after. Mm. Make sure that you put a coat of Vaseline on your feet. Small, very light coat of Vaseline, proper shoes and proper socks. And there's good atmosphere on the road then as well. Yeah, don't go out in a new pair of runners, a new pair of walking shoes. No, that's, no. that's the worst thing. Break them in. As, bre- yes. as my late mother, you'd be around the house breaking in the new pair of shoes. Um, <laughs> and the proceeds, again, they go every year to the Mercy Centre uh, Care, isn't it? Cancer Care. Cancer Care, and they have a new unit. They're hoping to have it finished by, um, by December. 
which will it'll, it's a big support for the cancer patients, yeah. but also the families, which yeah. is very important in this thing. Because as you know, like when you go in and you're diagnosed with something and if the big C is mentioned, that's all you that's all you can tune into. But like you need someone when you're going in with you to support you. And you can call back now to the Mercy Hospital and there's a support group there and they'll help you out. You They're know? fantastic. They really are fantastic. And and I'm thinking, Robert, when the family started this, you know, the, the year after uh, Sadly, poor Mark uh, passed away. He died in 2012 and then in 2013 they decided to, to start this walk. Could they have ever have realised that 10 years on they'd still be doing it? No, it's amazing and the support they get and it just shows you what people think, you know, about how they, you know, it, it, like we were saying earlier on, look, it affects everyone and somebody just to get a couple of euros and bring it into the, into the, what we call into the pot and it all adds up over the years and so far I think in the 10 years something like 430,000 Yeah, that was the figure that was the figure I, I couldn't yeah. believe when I saw that yeah. figure on Friday 430,000 has been raised in, in the uh, nine years and that'll be topped this year Yes and um, it, it's amazing like uh, people are coming along and they say come here, when is that walk on? when is that walk on? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah and they all know it and they know when to do it and do you know one thing about the walk is when you come into Bendon and you're heading to the town hall, and there's Prendergast over there. There's no relation, but there's there's uh, and he's volunteers over. You will get refreshments there, and your teas and coffees and scones, and you're met with a smile. Yeah, and that's what makes it. there's a bit of crack at the end of it. There's a bit of crack at the end of it, yeah. and you know. Yeah. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. We have our health, and that we can do it. So the first set of walkers start at what time? First set of walkers officially the. McCarthy's coaches will collect people in Kelleher's. Uh, they're a hardware store here in town. Everybody knows them. And they will, the buses, McCarthy's coaches will collect them at 8 o'clock. Okay. And drop them off at 8.30. And Carla and her team will be inside and they'll be registering there. Um, and once you're registered, you can head off. Off you go, off, yeah. Off go from 9 o'clock as you up the starting time. And people will dawdle away out there, out the road, until between, I'd say, nine o'clock, and a lot of them be finished at one o'clock, half past one. All right. So, so, but it, you you get to Bandon by one half one, you would. Oh, you or you would. would like you, yeah. you do it in three and a half to four, four hours, four and a quarter. Hours. Okay. All right. And how, end, how long are you a member of the Bandon Walking Club? Well, I suppose we're there from the start, which is about twelve years now at the moment, and the club is growing each year and you know we have different we have different walks we have A walks B walks and C walks and we have groups that are just some of the groups were a lot of them have done the Camino in Spain oh wow and some of them were we had a group there was it last month went to Corsica walking and more important we walk every second Wednesday night uh, at 8 o'clock from Kelhurs we walk every second Sunday uh, A, B's and C walks and we walk every second Thursday mainly for retired people and we walk in different areas where we um, we, say we go to committees in the Banlis Hospital, Banlidi, Gagin and the committees there do one the teas and coffees for us. We'll do our walk, we'll come back and we'll give five of our teas and coffees. And it's brilliant. It, it, it's a, it's, it sounds like kind of a social event outside of you're keeping fit and healthy by getting out for for a walk but I imagine it's great friendships formed Robert oh good friendships and mentally you know outside the physical side of stuff uh, mentally it's very good
go for yourself, Minty, because if you have some old grudge about something, you can let it off, <laughs> walk away the road, in, you know. And uh, it, it helps out people and different groups, in, like person might walk now and they might meet on a Saturday morning and say, come here, we're going to walk towards it, was good. Come here, we'll go for a cup of coffee and, you know, that's yeah, yeah. Off. And open to all ages, open all walks of life. All, open you to take all them all. Our, our membership is between, two, we have one one group there, they're in their 20s and yeah. they're, they're in their 80s. Isn't so that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? Well yeah. well done, well done. Okay, um, so for the walk next uh, Sunday, uh, still not too late to register. You can register online, uh, make your mark. Yes, and, and you can register and find out uh, before your walk. Okay. And, and they ask for €25 Euro, or others then will take sponsorship cards. Is that how the exactly, money is raised? Exactly. Uh, people going and can pay €25 Euros just through the walk and people who have sponsor cards and uh, they'll, they'll collect their own money and they'll, uh, they'll contribute to the committee. Okay. Well, listen, good luck with it, Robert. And I really do hope that the sun shines down. You don't want it too hot. No, no. Just a nice, <laughs> nice little breeze. And make sure people uh, have some cream on them. Okay, yeah, just in case. And yeah, there, there is, there will be refreshments along the way. Or do you need to, along yeah. the way, the usual super values and the Dizzy Electricals and all them, they'll be all along the road there. Okay. Picking out the, the few bottles and the drinks. And keep, uh, keep, the everybody, keep everybody hydrated. Okay. Well, thank, thank you very much. Well, listen, thank you, Robert. It was, it was lovely to chat to you. Good. Enjoy the walk, because it sounds like you certainly will enjoy it. And pass on our best wishes uh, to all of the family and the organising committee, because I know they put a huge amount of work into this uh, every year. And uh, well done for what they're doing for the Mercy uh, Cancer Appeal. Thank you very much indeed. Thank Thanks you. Robert. Mind Bye yourself. Bye-bye. Bye Bye. That is Robert Wilmot joining us from the Bandon Walking uh, Club. Make your mark on cancer. I can't believe that that's in its 10th year uh, already. Uh, we wish good luck to everybody taking part in it and still time if you would like to get involved as a register on makeyourmark.ie 0818 Martin in from Oasis. says Patricia you've been talking about vanishing products today on uh, the programme. We had somebody was looking for the cod liver oil and we somebody else looking for the Gaviscon uh, sachets. Martin says, forget about vanishing products. He said, what about vanishing kindness and vanishing niceness and vanishing helpfulness? He reckons staff members in some shops, he reckons, can be very rude, nasty and just seem like they don't care anymore. People need to cop on and uh, behave themselves. Well, that's very unfortunate, Martin, because I have to say I've noticed the opposite is true only on Saturday and I'll call it out. It was Tesco in Mallow. I was heading into Tesco in Mallow and one of the shop workers in there was coming out with two really big, heavy shopping bags that she was carrying out on behalf of an elderly man who had obviously just done his shopping and it was a kind of a, you know, in between the showers and whatever and he was being collected by somebody and he said oh look the whoever was collecting them was there and she insisted on carrying the shopping out for the man and I thought and had a lovely big smile on her face and was chatting to the man and I actually said to her it's great to see that kind of kindness and that kind of service so it's not everywhere uh, Martin that's for sure but thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 There are just some of your calls uh, in oh by the way we're hearing some uh, we're, we're getting on to the council about this uh, we're hearing some calls calls coming in that there's a protest going on 
in West Cork. This is the pier in Union Hall that is being closed to the public despite strong uh, opposition. Now, consultants report have raised concerns that the, the Union Hall has been eroded and because of that they've recommended access to be restricted but of course local people are not very happy about that. Now, we're hearing uh, this morning that council workers have moved into the pier to close it off and that locals are at the scene trying to prevent it. We're trying to get the latest on that if any of the locals are listening and want to talk to us. In the meantime, we're getting on to the council to try and get an update on what is happening there. Let's stay in West Cork because Tom in Bantry was on to say the roads in Renorar East, that's part of the Wild Atlantic Way. Uh, he says the road is in a shocking state and there are no signs showing people how to get back into Bantry Town. And he said the problem it's now creating are a lot of tourists around. We're in the middle of the summer season. Tourists end up having to knock on people's doors looking for direction back into the town. Uh, Tom is on the Residents Association there and it's causing a lot of annoyance uh, to people. Uh, we need better signage but he says that road really does need to be uh, sorted out. And John in Dunmanway was on he was exhibiting at the Ballyvorney Coulee show at the weekend and he was on and he wants to say a huge thank you to the committee. Why is he thanking the committee? He said, well, they provided the most gorgeous food for all of the exhibitors and for the public. And he said it should be publicly called out. And then, of course, we had to ask John, how did you get on when you were exhibiting at the Ballyvorney Coulee show? And he won three rosettes at the show. So congratulations, John. So take a bow. Everybody involved in the Ballyvorney Coulee show, your food Food seems to have gone down a treat. 0818103103. I can see questions coming in for Annalise. If you want to keep those coming in, please, because Annalise will be joining us in the next hour. So any questions you have, Bernie is taking calls at 0818103103. Or you can text or WhatsApp me to 0862103. Okay, some of your thoughts I need a pencil. I need a pen in my hand. I can never speak without having something in my hand. Okay, some of your thoughts coming in. Lots of questions coming in from for Annalise. So you can keep those uh, coming. But we were talking and have been talking this morning. I suppose we've been talking about children and mental health and it kind of overlapped into my conversation with Senator Mary Siri Carney who was talking about the school in Greystones that has decided to ban the mobile phones for all primary school children and the thought pattern is that the children will not be allowed to actually own their own mobile phone until they go into secondary school and there's been huge buy-in from all of the parents and all of the schools and that's the only way it's going to work otherwise you know the the parent, uh, the pester power from the children of everybody else in the class has one, I have to have one and parents many parents give in uh, when they hear those kind of arguments going on so that's going to be removed from all of the families in Greystones and all of the parents and the educators are all recognising that they feel it will be particularly good for the children for their mental health and for their well-being and it gets them out of looking into screens Well that's prompted a listener to say Hi Patricia, while on holidays recently we were having breakfast in our hotel a family group arrived Daddy and the two children. The children, there was a boy and a girl, uh, about 10, 10 or 11, that kind of an, an age group. They both arrived. The boy had a blue iPad and the girl, guess what, had a pink iPad. They sat down, went off to do their bidding, got their orange juice and their cereal and whatever. And then later, mam arrived to join join them and she got her stuff and she sat down. And she said, this listener says, over the course of the breakfast, not one 
person spoke. Mam and Dad both went on their phones and so the breakfast went on. And in case you're wondering, how did I happen to see this and how did I happen to observe this? The family were wham-bang in the middle of the dining room. So everyone was able to see this family of four and not one person interacted throughout the whole breakfast. This is the new family unit, says this texture. Mental health. Why does it happen? It happens because no communication is a large, large fact. Parents are too selfish with their own me time, says this uh, texture. Yeah, I've, yeah, I have to say I've witnessed similar. It drives me absolutely nuts. I know um, my uh, other half is all the same when you stop staring at people and I said it's just it's infuriating me because I like that I will have to see families barely communicate what, what do you want on the if it's a menu what do you want from the menu and that's it straight onto iPads straight onto phones but the parents are as responsible I mean when I was chatting with Mary we had the call in from somebody who only last weekend spotted a mother and a father and three children out out for dinner. And the three children were all chatting to each other and both parents were on phone. So I think, you know, there is parental responsibility here and parents need to know when to put the phone down and to stop burying your head in the phone and spend time uh, talking to children. 0818103103. A couple of people have been on for the listener who was looking for the cod liver oil. Uh, Susan's in the city. She said she got two bottles in Duns. She says that was a few weeks ago. She does, doesn't know if it's gone or not. Colm is in Butterment. He said he's been on cod liver oil for some 50 years. He gets it in the chemist. Uh, he's local chemist in Butterment and he said no problem at all. Uh, so it, it looks like it is it is available. It's just the listener who contacted us. I think it was Joe and Domanway. Uh, obviously, he's having problems where she shops. You see, certain shops are going to have problems sourcing items and that could be just it. So it certainly hasn't gone off the market. It is available. Tom and Cove wants to give a word of warning. Please don't send money in an envelope in the post. He sent, uh, money was sent to him in a card from Carrigaline last Tuesday. It was a birthday card and it never arrived. God, that's just, isn't it just so so disappointing when that happens when you you know you're going to the bother of, of putting money in a car and it's happened to me listen I've, I've, I've given up doing it and I, I stupidly did it only last Christmas where I was trying to get um I was tossing up between buying items for a young niece and nephew in Australia but postage has just gone so expensive and packages go missing when they go to Australia and I'd had a previous Christmas where the presents didn't arrive I had another Christmas where they arrived in time for Easter and they were Christmas pyjamas so I decided last year oh, I'll take the risk and I'll get the, I'll get the dollars and send it out and I put it in what I thought looked didn't look like it was money was, was in the envelope and unfortunately it never arrived and that yeah so it's really it's, it's disappointing it's it's annoying, but it's really, really disappointing to if you're sending it on for, you know, for a particular reason, for if you, you know, for birthday or Christmas or whatever. So, yeah, I feel your pain. Don't send money in the post. 0818103103. Hi, Patricia. This is Michael in Castletown Bear. And this is when I mentioned somebody was... Uh, quoting Puck uh, Fair and the animal cruelty that can go on with the wild goat in Puck Fair. Michael says, Patricia, I would really love to know who is behind all this noise about the Puck goat being up on a platform in Kilorglan. A goat 
the goat is always well fed and watered. That goat or a goat has been on that platform for many a year and no harm has ever come to that goat or whichever goat is picked every year. Are these people real Kerry people or are they people who think they're Kerry people? I would question if they are, they don't know much about goats says uh, Michael and I just did a quick check on the full story actually it's RTE are reporting on this that the people involved the committee involved and for hundreds of years the wild goat as I mentioned has been placed up for three days and three nights on a 50 foot stand in Kilorglan but this year they've decided that King Puck he will get involved in a token visit to the stand after his coronation that will happen on the 10th of August and then he'd be raised again on what's called the scattering, which is the closing of Puck Fair on the 12th of August. But for the duration, he won't be up there for the three days and the three nights. The fair committee said Puck was evolving and they were taking account of changing concerns. The chair of the Puck Festival Committee says we are a festival steeped in long standing traditions, but equally we acknowledge that traditions can and should evolve where there's good reason to do so. While King Puck will still be a major part of this year's festival, this year his role has evolved. The goat's welfare has always been and remains of paramount importance to the committee and all those that love Puck Fair. And in line with previous years, the goat will continue to be overseen and checked by a vet throughout the three days, but he'll only now be hoisted up above Kilorglan at the start of the festival and for the close of the uh, festival. Now, there are people locally who are not happy with the decision that has been made. And, and Michael in Castletown Bear, I think, is summing it up. Not everyone is happy about it. You know, people are saying that this is a festival that's been going on for 400 uh, years. And some people feel that the organising committee are coming under what's been quoted as unbelievable pressure by animal rights group and by the media. And one Fianna Fáil councillor by the name of Michael Cahill says that this kind of pressure that's coming from animal rights groups and, and from the media is a threat to ancient traditions. He said the Puck Fair Committee have been put in an impossible position between the media pressure from the so-called animal rights protesters and then the commercial pressure from corporate sponsors who fear the controversy. He said feelings were running very high ar- around Kilorglin and Mid and South Kerry because of the decision. He said the, custom, the customs and traditions of our country are very much a response responsibility on all of us. He said we must strive to continue them and not turn into a society with no identity. The committee, he says, have come under unbelievable pressure from people complaining about the, how the puck goat is treated and from sponsors. They fear the controversy and he says the goat has always been well treated. And listen, there's been talks about the puck for the last number of years but I think it was last year we were in the middle of the heat wave that wonderful wonderful weather that we had in August and it, I think everyone just saw that it just didn't seem right to have this goat out in this trapped cage for three days and three nights during the hot weather and I think that's what spurred it on but it's the committee themselves now and they're coming under pressure it's not just the animal rights groups I think when they're coming under pressure from their commercial sponsors if they're going to lose money over this I think that's probably got a lot to do with the reason that they have decided to roll back and they are not going to go ahead with having the puck just for the opening and for the closing will it affect the festival in any way your thoughts welcomed uh, 
0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp are you with the organisers are they right to go down this route of just put them up there for the opening and put them up there for the closing and then release them back into the wild are it's a 400 year old tradition should they be sticking with tradition you can get your calls or your texts into 0862103103 uh, Trish I know a lady who doesn't like phones and iPads she said she asked her husband what he is looking at I'm not too sure where you're coming with that one uh, Sheila somebody else says Trish I've seen toddlers in buggies with mobile phones and playing games our children learn in places like supermarkets are they missing out on uh, so much and listen I know a parent when a child is kicking off and getting upset and whatever the easiest thing to do is to hand them the mobile phone and, and, and I've witnessed that as well but I think that is a good uh, that is a good point don't children learn from all those interactions of sitting in the trolley and watching what mummy and daddy are, are putting into the, the trolley they probably are missing out on that kind of interaction Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three last week for probably the last two weeks it was all talk about um, RTE still making the papers today it hasn't gone away I'm not going to get into the story that's making some of the papers today where it seems RTE I'm assuming through this barter account spent more than twenty six thousand euro on two nights in a hotel for six people it was a, ch- a trip to the Champions League isn't that just incredible anyway what is a story I think that is of more interest concerning RTE but concerning our listeners b- because before any of the controversy broke about barter accounts and how Ryan Tuberty was being paid we had a lot of listeners complaining about GAA Go and people not being happy about matches that they wanted to watch on TV suddenly they couldn't watch them on TV without having to pay 12 euro and then having to watch it on a mobile phone wasn't it's not everybody's idea of watching a really good uh, match well it seems the consumer watchdog uh, says it's now going to probe the expansion of GAA Go and particular the aspect of streaming the games here in Ireland and they're seeing whether the venture complies with competition law and that this actually got mentioned at the Oireachtas Committee last week it's the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission the CC. PC. Now, they originally gave the approval to the GAA and to RTE back in 2017. And that's when GAA go, their hurling and their football match were broadcast. But it was only for people living overseas. But RTE and the GAA, they've since expanded that service to now, as we know, stream matches here to subscribers in Ireland. But the CCPC have confirmed that since May, it's actually been quizzing RTE and GAA over the expansion of the service. The watchdog said it was in the early stages of establishing the facts as to whether this new merger would need to be notified or not. Now, it comes, it got mentioned last week when the head of sport, Declan Bennett, when he was being quizzed at the Oireachtas, one of the Oireachtas committee meetings last week, he was asked if GAA Go had the permission and had the clearance of the CCPC and he then said that he didn't. So the CCPC said, go back to 2017, it was in July, the CCPC declared that the proposed formation of GAA Go Media, which is the joint venture between the RTE and the GAA, and under that joint venture in 2017, they would be allowed to hold certain international di- digital media rights to GAA events and could show those events via the online sc- streaming service. However, if 
the joint venture, which was previously cleared by the CCPC, expanded its activities, this may amount to a creation of a new joint venture and it would require further clearance by the CCPC. So the CCPC are looking into it at the moment. And actually there was a solicitor with the Irish Retail I was Research Council. He was speaking on radio at the weekend. Uh, he is a scholar at the UCD School of Law. And he said the real concern here is whether GAA Go's streaming service managed to push out competitors such as Sky Sports from the market. And he said if there was this sort of fundamental change in what they were doing, the question arrives whether it should have been notified or not to the CCPC. So the CCPC are working on it and actually have been working on it until May. There will be a lot of people hoping that it gets scrapped or if it doesn't get scrapped, that the service is allowed for free. But I can't see it going ahead being allowed for free but of course the issue we will always have with GAA Go are that some parts of the country simply can't stream it because they don't have adequate broadband and that's uh, that's a bigger problem that needs to be sorted 0818 103 103 our lines are open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Shanagari Art Exhibition are uh, opening at My Place Mill Road in Middleton. It'll happen next Friday at half past seven and it will continue until Saturday the 29th of July. There will be special sub-exhibition with affordable art with proceeds going to the Focus Ireland Appeal. And the Dunhamore Carnival is running across next weekend, Friday through to Sunday, half seven on Friday. Various competitions including underage soccer finals, skittle throwing an open welly throwing on Saturday basketball tournament car treasure hunt and sport and bingo that's at half past eight and then Sunday that's their big day it's a family fun day with entertainment for all country market vintage display kids fancy dress tug of war uh, egg throwing competition and much much more and that's all part of the Dunhamore Carnival opening next Friday Cork today at c103.ie Today on C103. <laughs> One text says, Patricia, you're doing great with your tongue twisters today. GAA, CCPC, RTE. <laughs> yeah, the CCPC is what I always have to stop and uh, think about. Thank you for that. Uh, Sheila says, Patricia, I posted 30 euro in a card. I posted in Rathcormac for my grand nephew in Kerry for his confirmation. It never arrived. I have often sent money in a letter before, says Sheila. It's the first time it didn't arrive. Lesson learned, but it's so disappointing. It is. And it's just very disappointing for the child because I know wherever you're sending it to and you're waiting for their reaction when they get it only to discover that it didn't arrive. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Sheila, thank you for your text on the puck and should the goat be up in the cage. Hi Patricia, it was never right having a goat stuck in a cage for 30 days and 30 nights. Well done to the committee of Puck Fair for having the sense to change things. That's from Janet. And if Michael in Castletown Bear doesn't like it, maybe he should go into a cage himself and see what it's like to spend three days and nights in a cage and see if he likes it or not. Dennis said, absolutely great to see the Puck Fair committee move 
moving with the times and making sure that the goat is not stressed. Hopefully we can now see baby calves not being stressed at marts and being shipped abroad in trucks without milk or rest times. Is it not time to ban the live export of calves, says uh, Dennis. Harping back to an issue that we dealt with quite a lot last week on the Primetime special programme about the dirty secrets of the dairy uh, industry. Hi Patricia, on Puck Fair and people saying that it's been going for 400 years and it's a tradition that's been in place for 400 years and all that goes along with that. But once upon a time we used to chop the heads off people. That was around 400 years ago. Do they think that that should be happening now too? Actually come to think of it, it might be a way to dispose of some of the scumbags that are roaming the earth at the moment. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go back even though God knows that does happen in, in other countries but you know, I accept the point you're making. Traditions that happened many, many years ago, just that they happened many, many years ago doesn't mean we still we still need to be doing it today. Surely there's got to be another way to do it. Hi Patricia, we're constantly hearing about the cost of living crisis and we're constantly hearing about families not being able to make ends meet and yet we're hearing today on the number of people who are handing their children iPads to keep them entertained when they're out or buying them smartphones and the cost of internet access. access. If they were stuck, if they're stuck on these devices so much they can, why not, why don't they go down the route of educating them online? They don't seem to agree with that either. 0818 Can I just, you probably get annoyed now when I'm going to mention the cost of living, but just on the cost of living for families, particularly at this time of the year. All the back to school stuff, all the uniforms, are the, the children are barely out of school a wet week. But I can see it from parents' point of view. If you have more than one child and you have to buy a lot of uniforms to get your children back to school, I can see why you'd be buying a little bit uh, every week. If you do have children, you will be thrilled to hear that a one-off double payment of child benefit for parents hasn't been announced yet, but it's believed to be under consideration. And it's all part of the budget negotiation. The budget talks obviously will really intensify after the summer recess they're all on their summer holidays now they'll say they're not on holidays but the doll is in at recess so when they come back that's when you're going to get down to real intense talks as to what's going to be included in the next budget but the coalition uh, is also it looks like have agreed have agreed to increase state funded parents uh, leave by an extra two weeks but there is a big push among the government parties to introduce a budget aimed at supporting families while also fulfilling the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar's pledge to address child poverty levels. We know, unfortunately, while we speak about very affluent families, on the other end of that scale are children who in 2023 are living in poverty. So central to the high-level budget talks are now discussions around another double payment of child benefit, and that obviously will help with families who are raising uh, children. But, but you see, the problem... It's not a problem, but the one the one obstacle that people point out is wrong with giving it to child benefit is everybody gets child benefit from the very rich down to those children who are struggling in poverty because it is a universal payment and some people feel that the money could be better spent. Anyway, if the budget measure does go ahead, what it would mean is about 638,000 families across the country, they would get €280 a month instead of the 140. That's what it is at the moment. That's what the child rate is. So 
Give me an example. A family of three children, they would in one month receive €840, while if you had a family with four children, they on one month of the double payment would get 1120 And it's the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys. She is understood to be really pushing this and she's very supportive of allocating budget funded funding for this initiative, which government sources say has been very popular amongst the public when it was done. It has been done before it was introduced last year. But Heather Humphreys is also pursuing additional funding for the expansion of the Hot School Meals programme. Now, we do know from next September, all children in Desh primary schools, every one of them will get one hot meal a day. But the minister wants that extended to all primary schools. Now, it is going to take some time. She's talking about 2030 by the time it will be fully introduced. And then separately, uh, Heather Humphreys, is working with the Children's Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, and they've decided to increase the parent benefit to nine weeks of paid leave. This is for parents of newborn babies. The parents' benefit is currently paid for seven weeks for those who opt to take the parental leave. So the move will mean the state will pay mothers and fathers €262 a week for nine weeks if they decide to take that additional uh, time off. And Heather Humphreys is committed to continuing to increase the parental benefit uh, last year and she's expected to receive the funding. Obviously, she has to go to the uh, Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, but she is expected to get it in the budget. So it does look like the budget, which will be announced in October for the following year, but it does look it's going to be like a budget that's going to help out families and there will be a lot of families will be glad to hear that. 0818103103 and Rita's asked me to give a shout out and to say thank you to all those who tended the dance on the original platform on the slopes of Mushra yesterday. We were giving a shout out to this last week. The weather didn't dampen the spirits of the dancers and uh, Rita wants to thank all of us here at the radio station for because we were mentioning it last uh, week. They hope to do it all over again for their last dance of the summer season and Rita let, remind me of that on the 20th of August and I'll certainly give it another shout out uh, to you and uh, Rita is the chairperson of the Musher Platform Committee so well done to you Rita and the rest of the committee for organising that event you can text or WhatsApp if you've got a question for Annalise please 0862 today on C103. And we're off to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, uh, where Annalise Drussell joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome and we are swamped with questions. We'll do our best to get through as many of them as uh, possible. Uh, this came in earlier. Hi, Patricia Annalise. I have nine-month-old twins, Kate and Anya. Firstly, congratulations on Kate and Anya. My own energy levels are starting to fade. Any recommendations, please, for a supplement? Also, my iron is a little low as well. And that's from Anna from Bandon. Oh, my God. Dealing with uh, newborn twins can be tough even at nine months. Absolutely. My brother had twins and it's not really twice the work. I think it's three times the work because (laughs) you really never get a rest, you know. So, um, yeah, I think probably two things I'd recommend here. One is a very good kind of quality multi. If you're not breastfeeding, I do definitely think the source of life gold for energy is fantastic. But if you are breastfeeding, there's a bit of ginseng in that. So that wouldn't be suitable. In which case, maybe something like Oxylent. And because you see, you're probably as well not eating, you're kind of grabbing food as you go, so not probably eating well. So that would just make sure that you were getting all the vitamins and minerals that you'd need. And you could take a separate iron supplement. The the gentle irons are the ones that have got 
iron biglycinate is possibly the one that's most gentle on the stomach because a lot of people do end up getting very constipated or it irritates their stomach. So I know that Terranova is an excellent brand. Also, uh, Viridian is an excellent brand and the Nutri Advance brand as well and Maconta, they're all really good irons. So I would do a good multi and I would add the iron separately as well. Okay, and uh, it will get easier, Anna. That's all we can say. It will get easier. Uh, hi, this is an email in from Michelle. Question for Annalise. I drink a lot a lot of bottled water, about one and a half litres per day, but I don't know if it's doing me more harm than good. Could it be washing out essential vitamins and minerals as well as my electrolytes? I do take supplements every morning. I welcome your suggestion on the amount of water I should be drinking every day. Yeah, well, I suppose, like, the guidelines are two litres a day, Patricia, but I've never believed that because I don't drink anywhere near two litres a day uh, myself and I never, I don't get dehydrated at that. So I think if you're in a very warm climate where you're sweating a lot or if you're in a job where you're sweating a lot, you will definitely need to drink more. Um, The more water you drink, if you don't need it, you are actually diluting the electrolytes in your body, which would be things like magnesium, sodium, calcium and potassium. And actually... Over-diluting those can make you feel very weak and very. your heart might even get a bit fluttery and you can feel very tired and very weak. So I would recommend that if anyone is drinking an awful lot of water to just even put a pinch of sea salt or Himalaya salt in there just to keep those electrolytes up. You can actually also buy those electrolytes. And then really you don't probably need to worry too much about how much water you drink. Um, but I definitely think in the winter time. I'd say like a litre of water is probably plenty because you'll be still getting water through your food and you'll still probably have a cup of tea or coffee. There'll be a bit of water in that as well. So uh, when maybe maybe cut it down to a litre and make sure you're putting a little bit of salt in. Okay. All right, Ted says, question for Annalise, I have a healthy diet, um, but I've started lately getting a bloated feeling and sometimes I feel like my bowel isn't emptying fully. What could be going on? So, well, it possibly is that, that maybe the bowel isn't emptying fully. Um... You know, there's different things that can happen that cause bloating and a slow digestion. Um, If you've had an antibiotic, that's always the most obvious choice, that you've disrupted the balance of good and bad bacteria. Um, So that could always be a good start, is just to take a probiotic. Um, And that often will resolve issues. And there's some very good ones on the market. You don't need to spend €100, 50 quid on on a probiotic to get a good one. So um, BioCult has got 14 different strains in there, and that's a very reasonable one. Udo's is another very good brand. And we have a lovely one here in Nature's Plus, um, Microbiome. There's 18 different types in there, and none of those are massively expensive. So that would be a very good place to start. If you're feeling a bit sluggish in terms of your digestion and uh, maybe not evacuating your bowels fully, increase soluble fibre, not insoluble. So I always think the difference, you know, if you can imagine when you pull the strings off a piece of celery, Patricia, you know, Mm. that really stringy hard stuff, that's insoluble fibre. So if you're a bit, if you're a bit stuck, that can actually kind of build up and nearly impact in your bowel as opposed to helping push through. So what you want is fibre that goes more kind of jelly-like and you get that in kiwis, pears, prunes, oats. Um, So oat bran, put a spoon of oat bran on your porridge in the morning cut up a couple of kiwis into it. And also there's another fibre that you can take called psyllium. It's spelled P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M. You'll get it in any health shop. And that is fantastic. A spoon of that added onto your breakfast cereal in the morning. And both of those should see you right. And then the last thing I'd say is that we get older. We definitely, our digestive juices don't, they're not as strong as they used to be when we were younger. So I think sometimes taking a digestive enzyme can work very well. 
um, and just help you break your food down and move it through much quicker. The other advantage of that, of course, is that you're getting more of the good out of your food as well in terms of vitamins and minerals. So a good brand of that. I know that Terra Nova do a very good one and Nature's Plus do a great one called Ultrazyme as well. So try something like that. Okay, question for Annalise, please. I have pulmonary fibrosis and I suffer a lot from fatigue from time to time. It can usually last up to three weeks. It affects concentration, my eyes. Is there any vitamins or anything you could suggest that I could take? So I'm not sure what pulmonary fibrosis is, Patricia. Is that, uh, that's in the lungs. I would think so, so pulmonary, yeah. yeah. It must be, actually, it must be build up of, yes, that's the word. So pulmonary is the lungs and then fibrosis is tissue, is hardened, kind of like, almost like scar tissue. So basically the lungs aren't working um, and then I suppose if inflammation kicks off, um, then you probably, that's probably when you'd feel, you know, get the three-week period of not feeling well. So you're not getting enough oxygen really to the tissues and that's why you would feel tired. You're not oxygenating properly. So one thing I could suggest is, there is an oxygen chamber down in Bandon that I've heard amazing things about and you can book in for that. So it's like the diving chamber where they bring people back after getting the bends from diving. But I've had lots of customers who've used it for fatigue, actually even for severe eczema and have had amazing results. So that's one thing you could try. The other thing then really is just to support your lung tissue. And for that, you need um, you need to, I suppose, um, really avoid any kind of allergens. So try and identify that. Keep them clear of mucus. So for that, I would recommend the Dr. Clare um, Congestion Blend, which is very good at kind of helping keep the mucus down. And the other thing I'd recommend then is the Dr. Clare. She does a tea for the lungs. It used to be called lung tea. I think it's had to be changed. So I think it's now called Clear Away Tea. Um, You'll get that here in the shop or on the website. And these just are very good for supporting the health of the lungs and keeping the mucus down as much as possible. And then you're less likely to get inflammation and and there forward. Okay, here's an unusual one. Question for Annalise. My husband has terrible trouble swallowing tablets lately. He's okay swallowing food. Any help? I I really appreciate it as it's causing him so much stress. Okay, so yeah, well, a lot of people can't swallow tablets and then don't chew their food and can swallow huge amounts of foods. My sister being one of them, she just says, no, I can't swallow tablets. So it's definitely for her (laughs) psychological anyway. Uh, But so it is a psychological thing and it does, the more you think about it, then of course, the more difficult it's going to be to swallow. So if they're very big, the first thing I do suggest is try and break them up. Uh, The other thing is maybe put it in the mouth with a bit of food ready. As as you know, if you've chewed your food, pop the tablet in and swallow it down with the chewed food. Maybe that could help get it down. Um, Some of them are very big, like tablets tend to be bigger as well. So um, I would definitely suggest cutting them up. They can even be powdered up as well. You You can get get a pill crusher in the chemist. Tiny little device and it crushes into powder. Yeah, and then mm. just put it, put it, put it onto a spoon. We'll put a dollop of yogurt yeah, over it, and yeah. down it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can be, it can be a psychological thing, particularly when there's nothing wrong with the swallow. But people get it into their head. I'm not going to be able to swallow this, and I can see how uh, when she talks about her husband getting stressed out uh, about it. Uh, Joe in uh, Blarney, what do you recommend for acid reflux? So acid reflux, two, two to three things we recommend. The first thing we recommend is something called zinc carnosin, and this has the benefit of um, supporting the mucus-producing cells in the stomach. So that really actually c- 
covers it in a lovely lining of, uh, of mucus and protects the stomach from stomach acid. But it also tightens up that top valve at the top of the stomach to prevent the fumes or the acid from leaking up. The second thing we recommend is Slippery Elm. It's, um, the one we love is BioCare Slippery Elm Complex because there's marshmallow and gamma all in that as well. Two other lovely things for soothing and healing inflamed tissue that's been burned by acid. Um, so the Slippery Elm, you actually take that before you eat a meal because it coats everything with a kind of a protective layer of mucilage so that when the acid is released when you're eating, it doesn't damage and hurt those. Um, and then the third thing we'd recommend for some people is a digestive enzyme because it just helps take the pressure off your own system and just supports the breakdown of food properly so that you're not suffering from kind of trying to break down food. And the other suggestion I'd make is avoid foods that are very hard to digest that stay in the stomach for a long time. So like if you're, like that would be mainly portions of meat. Protein can be very hard to break down. So just eat those in very small portions and maybe break your meals up to six meals a day as opposed to three big ones and snacks. Okay, May I stay on digestive enzymes, seeing as you've mentioned it. Kay in North Cork is taking digestive enzymes and probiotics. She's been taking them now for two weeks, but she's not seeing any noticeable results. She was advised to take them for her for an issue with her bowels. Okay, well, I, you, you would hopefully be seeing a difference after two weeks with those because the digestive enzymes should be working really almost immediately whereas the probiotics could take a bit of time to work. So it's obviously not fixing the problem. Therefore, it's possibly not what the problem is, is a lack of digestion. There's lots of things that can go on with the digestion, Patricia, really. Um, you know, there's the whole acid reflux thing, not digesting properly in the stomach. There is, you know, ulcers that form in the stomach, inflammation. There's bacteria that can move up into the small intestine and cause a lot of problems like bloating, um, constipation or diarrhea, very bad wind, discomfort. It could be something like that. There's also a bacteria that lives in the stomach called Helicobacter pylori. So that could be the problem. And the probiotic and the digestive enzyme won't address those bacteria. So she probably needs to go really and see a proper professional, maybe a nutritional therapist um, who would uh, specialize in the gut and just get it figured out because it's obviously not the right product if they're not fixing the problem at this stage. Okay. Hi, uh, Annalise. How do I get rid of massive weight increase after menopause? Also, I'm feeling tired constantly. Yeah, welcome to the menopause, <sighs> I suppose. I it is uh, just, it's very, very difficult, Patricia. And I wish I had a lovely answer for you, but I have none because... Sometimes it seems like no matter how much you cut your food and how much you exercise, you cannot lose weight after menopause. It really does affect your metabolism. So there'd be a couple of things that may or may not help that I'll suggest. But um, the first thing is possibly is it also related to the thyroid. So you could take a supplement that would support your thyroid. Viridian do a thyroid complex. Bionutri have a great one called uh, called uh, Tyro Complex. I think that's called... So there's, there's a few different ones, but basically they will support your thyroid. They'll give it everything it needs in order to make proper thyroid hormone. And if your thyroid is slow, you will put weight on and find it very difficult to lose. And you will also feel tired. So doing that for a month or two certainly won't do any harm. And um, if it doesn't fix the problem, then it's possibly not your thyroid. Um, the energy thing, that's very common with um, menopause as well. 
I maybe would recommend going on a natural HRT or HRT. So we get great feedback on two products in the shop. One of them is the Revive Menoactive, and the other one is the Nutri Advanced Perimeno Support. And they have a kind of a whole combination of things in there to support you for hormone balance, for energy, uh, for stress, for mood, for the brain fog, for everything that really comes along with menopause. So you could try those first. And if you didn't get any success with those, then definitely think about HRT because the new HRT is, uh, you know, there's far, far less risks involved with it than there was with the old HRT and it can change your life. And actually, I'm wondering, is that the same advice for Siobhan, who's going through menopause at the moment? She's had some slight spotting. She was told it was due to the low estrogen levels and she's wondering she wants a natural product. Yep, exactly. Either of those would do, Patricia. Now, there. They're very good products if you've got a lot of symptoms, but it might be overkill if you don't have too many symptoms because you're spending money on stuff you don't need. In which case, there are um, very good value products. So Terranova do a Dong Quai. It's spelled D-O-N-G-Q-U-A-I. And that has natural plant-based hormones in it. And also A. Vogel does a menopause support, which again is a blend of plant-based um, hormones. So they would be very good value um, if you don't have any of the other typical symptoms like brain fog or joint pain or sore breasts or low mood or anxiety or tiredness or hot flushes or... (laughs) Any of the long, long list. The list goes on. All right, Bernice is back on. She was on to us last week about the ear candles that you recommended. But somebody's told her now she needs to get essential oils to use with them. She's wondering, what are the essential oils and where could she buy? I've I've used ear candles. I've never used essential oils. No, it's nothing to do with essential oils. Actually, the thing about the ear candle is that the wax creates a kind of a heat and a vacuum so it can melt wax and it can pull it up and out. So you don't need any essential oils. Don't put essential oils into your ear, please. OK. All right, listen, have a great week and we'll chat to you next Monday. Thanks. Patrick. Thanks, Annalise. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub, Times Square in Balancolic. As always, this afternoon, Annalise will put up all of the items that she's mentioned on her website, healthhubstore.com, under the feature As Heard on the Radio. A very quick birthday message for Johnny Barrett in Curragurum in Mitchellstown, celebrating his 90th birthday today. Happy birthday, Johnny, from your neighbours, Tony and Maureen. And that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie for producing the programme. Nick Richards is with you next and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. On to the night, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.